0: We're going through the Gospel of Mark, and the reason we're going through the Gospel of Mark is Mark is really the most action-packed of the Gospels. Every story, for the most part, is a story about Jesus doing something. He's in situation after situation after situation. And what we are doing is we go through each story is we're looking at what is Jesus doing that we can also be doing. And so today we're talking about prayer. Now, sermons about prayer, uh, especially if we're going to talk about doing what Jesus does, it's a, little, it's a little unusual because there is a part of Scripture where Jesus tells us how to pray. You're probably familiar with it. It's in Matthew chapter 6. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And that's actually not where we're going to be spending our time today. So I do want to be upfront and say there's a place where Jesus says this is what you should pray like, And while we're talking about how he prays, we're going to be looking specifically at the gospel of Mark. And Jesus prays all over the gospel of Mark. And we're going to be looking at a few of those specifically. And my hope is that as we see Jesus' prayer practices, that they might encourage us. They might help us to, to, to form our own prayer practices after him. And the person that this message is particularly for, if you're someone who either has has never been a praying person or you're someone who at one time was a praying person or would like to be a praying person, if you're in that place where, where prayer is not a big part of your life now but you would like it to be, my hope is that you'll be encouraged to begin the journey of a life filled with prayer today. So, please stand for the reading of scripture, we're going to read from Mark chapter 1 verses 35 through 39. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also, for that is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. You may be seated. Now this is a short passage but I feel like there's a lot here and like I said we're going to connect this story with other stories about Jesus and his prayers. But I want to start by making a few observations about his prayer life as a whole. So one one common question we get is when Jesus prayed, what was happening? Because if Jesus is the Son of God, if he's God the Son, then how can he pray to himself? Well, that's a good question. If you've ever wondered it, I want to encourage you that that's a, a good way to think about things. But what we know about Jesus is that he was fully God and fully man. He was 100% and 100%. And you might think, well, that doesn't work because it adds up to more than 100%, and that's true. And that's one of the things that made Jesus absolutely unique. In him was a fully human nature and a fully divine nature and they both dwelled within him together but distinct and so his his humanity was in perfect submission to his divinity the human nature in jesus submitted perfectly to the divine nature in jesus and that's an incredible thing and in moments of fear or anxiety or need the thing a human being that submits to God does is pray and what do we see Jesus doing in those times of need or anxiety or fear we see him pray but it's important to say that his prayers are real this isn't just something he does for our benefit, to show us as an example. When Jesus goes out very early in the morning to pray, he's not just doing that so that we can read that we should go out in the morning early to pray. He's doing that because he was human and divine, but he was human and in need of praying to his God. And so when he goes, I think these are stories of Jesus receiving guidance and comfort. power. And those are things that are true of us as well. That's what is available to us when we pray. So some things about Jesus's prayer life. The first thing is this. Jesus went to church every week. Now I'm cheating a little bit here. They didn't have churches yet. They had synagogues. But they were basically, the synagogue meetings on Saturday were for the same purpose as the church meetings we have on Sunday. They were a time of community and worship. Ours are very different in a lot of ways or for a lot of reasons. One of those being, of course, the Holy Spirit indwelling the community of a church. But Jesus made time to go to worship every single week. Now in Mark, we read about four different formal occasions where Jesus is worshiping with other Jewish people and praying. And we learn from Mark or from Luke, I'm sorry, 4:16, that this is his normal practice. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. In other words, Jesus went to church, and so should you. But oftentimes when Jesus prayed, it was in private. Communal prayer was a part of his life. In those worship meetings, they would read from the Psalms and pray them together. They would pray to the Lord together, much like we do. But Jesus's prayer life was also filled with these times when he would pray on his own. And in Mark, we get three distinct pictures of this. The first one is in our story today, kind of in the middle of a busy season, but at the beginning of his ministry. So there's a story about Jesus being asked a question or doing a miracle, then another one, then prayer time, then another story, then another story, right? It's in the middle of a busy day or a busy week, but it's at the beginning of his ministry. As Jesus is preparing to launch this ministry of his, as he's getting ready to step out in faith... And in the mission that God had given him, he's deliberate about taking time to pray. Another time that we see him pray is in chapter 6, after the feeding of the 5,000. This big, incredible event that was followed by people coming and wanting to take him and make him king. In other words, the temptation of an of a end that did not involve the cross. Jesus weathers that. He performs an incredible miracle. Think about the lives changed that day as they saw God miraculously provide for so many people. And then after this mountaintop experience, Jesus goes off alone to pray. So at the beginning of a big event or a transition, Jesus takes time and prays. At the end of an exhilarating or exciting time, Jesus takes time to pray. And then in the Garden of Gethsemane, before what would be a harder event, more difficult and painful than any of us could possibly imagine, Jesus takes time pray. So I want us to ask the question, how do we pray like Jesus did? How can we make our prayer lives look like his? Well, the first thing that he did is he made time to spend with God. He made time to spend with God. How many of you in here are morning people? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay. Hands down, How many of you are definitely not morning people? Okay, the majority of us. Well, those of us who are morning people are more like Jesus. So, you know, I say that to my wife all the time, and she doesn't even say anything anymore. I just get glared at. <laughs> you know, often I do say it in the morning, actually. No, but very early in the morning, Jesus got up and he went by himself to pray. Now, I'm I'm joking about the morning piece here, obviously, but but something that is essential to a healthy prayer life is a deliberate time for you to spend between you and your Lord. A deliberate, intentional, focused time. Now, I think that we live in a, a period of time where this is harder for people than it's been in the past because of busyness. However, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm always always a little surprised when people say that they can't find time to do devotions. I think that that's not what they mean, and if that's something that you feel is happening in your life right now, that time to do devotions is something you can't find, I want you to ask yourself if what I'm about to say is true. I think that what is actually meant by that is one of two things. Either you mean I'm under spiritual attack. And so whatever, for whatever reason, the affections and commitments and struggles inside of you are combating each other in such a way that you cannot make a clear decision to separate out time to be with Jesus. I think either you mean you're under spiritual attack or you mean... That you don't think prayer is important. And here's what I mean by that. I think a lot of, I think all of us would say, yes, prayer is important, because we know that's what we're supposed to say. But if you were to take a moment and really ask yourself, do you think prayer is important? Because here's what happens when we pray. The Lord of the universe, the one who creates and sustains us, the greatest thing to ever exist, the one who knows you through and through. He knows your best and he knows your worst and he loves you without reserve. Wants to spend time with you. And when you pray, The word says that you step into his throne room. You come before him. Now, we don't see that, obviously, but I believe that it's true. And when we pray for others, we take them there with us. And if we believe that this is true, I do not think we'll have a hard time finding 15 minutes to spend with the Lord. It's hard for me when people say they cannot find time to do devotions. I think either you're struggling with a spiritual attack or you have to ask yourself whether you truly believe that prayer is important. If you have time to stay up late and watch TV, you have time to pray. And if you can get up early to go to work, then you can get up 15 minutes earlier to spend time with the Lord. Now, I'm not a parent, and I have a, a dear friend named Paul that has five-year-old twins, and he assures me when we had this conversation that it is actually impossible for him to find 15 minutes to, to be alone and with the Lord. He says, not even going in the bathroom and closing the door will accomplish this because they immediately want to know why he's in the bathroom and has closed the door. If that's the case, I cannot speak to it. Perhaps parenthood does provide that time in life. But whatever the reason that keeps you from time with the Lord is, I want you to ask yourself, do you truly believe it's important? And if so, make time. Have this be the last Sunday you've come to church with a mindset of, I'm too busy to pray. So, how do we pray like Jesus did? First, he made time to spend with God. Next, he prayed honestly. Jesus prays honestly. I mentioned the Garden of Gethsemane. Could you imagine that moment to know what was coming in the way that he did? And it says that he prayed so earnestly, Lord, if it's possible, please don't make me do this. He prayed so earnestly that he bled. I mean, the stress was so tremendous that he sweated blood. Could you imagine? And in that moment, He did not say, well, I'm Jesus, so of course, I'm ready to go. He was honest, and he said, Lord, please, don't make me do this. But not my will, but yours be done. When you go before the Lord in prayer, can you be honest? Later, as Jesus is on the cross, he cries out to the Lord, and he says, why have you forsaken me? He speaks of his pain, of his fears, and he comes before the Lord honestly. Sometimes I think we feel this need to perform for God, which if we take just one second to think about it, is the most bizarre practice we could ever have. The one who actually knows what's happening in our lives better than we do, we come before him and try to pretend that something else is going on. Maybe you don't struggle with that, but I'm being open. I I do. Often I have a hard time admitting how I'm actually doing, what I'm actually struggling with. But if we can be honest with him, I think one of the things that we're going to discover is that a change can happen in us differently than it can if we try to hide. Because he'll let you. If you go before the Lord and you hide, I think what you're usually going to find is that no change occurs. It's in those times of honesty that we feel the Lord's power and presence most acutely. It's okay to go before God and weep. Jesus did. And it's okay to go before God in pain. Because Jesus did. So how did Jesus pray? He made time, he prayed honestly, and he prayed with purpose. In our passage today, it starts with verse 35 where Jesus gets up very early in the morning and he goes off to pray. Just a few verses later, we see what's happening next. Verses 38 and 39. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. This is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. His ministry was fueled by and saturated with prayer. Now, I don't know what you do during the day. For some of you, I have a good idea of what you do during the day, but I imagine it's not going around preaching and driving out demons. Maybe it is, and if so, invite me, because I'd like to see it. But whatever you do, I believe you have a calling from the Lord, and your daily work is important. It matters. It's a kingdom opportunity. Whether you're going to school, whether you're going to work, whether you're staying home and caring for little ones, whatever it is that makes up your day is a kingdom opportunity. Saturate it. Fuel it with prayer. Give God the opportunity to speak into it and use it in powerful ways. Jesus prayed with purpose. And finally, he prayed with obedience. I want to figure out how to say this well and I'm not entirely sure how. I said it to Pastor Ben earlier this morning and it resulted in about five minutes of me trying to explain what I meant. So we're going we're to see if I can do it better. The person that you should pray for more than you pray for anyone else should be you. And here's what I mean. Regardless of what's happening in your life, the one person you are aware of experiencing every situation they're going to experience having every opportunity they're going to have that person is you the person whose struggles you're most familiar with are yours and the only person whose soul you're responsible for is yours and the very highest calling you have regardless of who you are The very highest calling you have is the care of your own soul. Now, you may say, no, I have other people in my care, and their well-being is more important. Their soul care is more important to me than mine. Here's the problem with that. You will not be able to care for them spiritually nearly as well if you do not make the care of your own soul first. The most important job you have is to grow as close to Jesus as you can. The most important calling in your life is to know him as deeply as possible, to be changed, to be like him in the greatest way you can. Because if you do that, more and more you will see his power work through you in the lives around you. Now, I'm not saying don't pray for other people. You should absolutely pray for other people. You should pray for other people a lot, but you should also pray for you. Now, some of you may do this. For some of you, this may sound foreign. If so, I want to encourage you to practice. And you ask for this, Lord, help me obey. Lord, whatever it is you have for me today, help me obey. That's step one. That's the first part of prayer for yourself that you need to get used to doing, pray to help you obey. So when you ask for things, here's how you make a prayer for obedience. Lord, please heal this person. But not my will, but yours be done. In other words, you say to God, here's what I'm asking for, but Lord, what's most important is that you help me line up with your desires. Lord, I want this more than I can say, but, but I'm asking you to change my heart in the way you need to change it so that I can want what you want. Not my will, but yours be done. And in some, t- in some cases, this is easy and it's not very painful to do. You know, Lord, my car isn't working well, please provide me a new one, but not my will, but yours be done. I remember when dad got sick the first time the cancer that he ended up beating but I I do remember that time where I went before the Lord for the first time I was actually in the basement here having just heard the news getting ready for youth group and I remember thinking to myself I don't know if I can pray not my will but yours be done You see, the trick of this is that you're not going to be able to give those hard times over to the Lord. You're not going to be able to accept his will over yours if you don't practice all the time. That resistance to him that rises up in your heart is something you have to do battle with over and over and over again. And so that in the moment when it's hardest, you're able to say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done the time that I saw this just break my heart but encourage me through and through was a little while ago when Verna Smith was sick I remember being in the hospital with Vern and Verna and them telling her that she they couldn't tell her exactly how much time but there was kind of this indication given that it it might be up to six months and I remember Verna saying well I want God's will I want God's will. And then the next day, when she could not speak anymore, and her family was surrounding her, and she was getting ready to pass, I will never forget Vern saying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. If we will go to him over and over again and ask him to teach us obedience, if we will go to him over and over again and ask him to help us know that what he wants for us is best, what we want for us is often not, then even in those moments when the hardest thing we ever have to deal with is coming, we will find by the power of his spirit the ability to say, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus prayed for obedience. Now, I want to make a few other comments about prayer, things not taken specifically from the Gospel of Mark or from Jesus' prayer life, but, but things that are important for you to hear if you want to become a person of prayer, or if you are a person of prayer, perhaps things to help you to grow in this area. The first thing I want to say is this. When you're beginning or beginning again, Start small. A mistake happens a lot of the time when people dive into regular devotions. They go from nothing to, I'm going to read the Bible every two months, and I'm going to pray for an hour after every day of reading. They get this huge plan, and it lasts for a day, maybe two, and then they get guilt afterwards. Whatever you start with, start small. A few minutes of prayer, set a few times a week. And wait until that's just not enough for you. You've done it for a while and you're ready to grow. But start small. I do not know anyone that became a person whose life was saturated by prayer by jumping in and over beginning too big. I don't know anyone like that. Everyone's story that I'm familiar with began small. And then one day the Lord just took over and stretched. Begin small. When you carve out time to pray, I want to encourage you to do this as well. Practice listening. I cannot tell you how many times I've had people come to me and say that they've been asking to hear from the Lord and they just cannot hear from him. But imagine what this looks like When you go to someone, imagine going to a person and saying, I want you to tell me what to do. I want you to tell me what to do. I want you to tell me what to do. Gosh, they wouldn't tell me what to do. You have to listen. In my devotions, at the beginning of my morning devotions, every day, I take five minutes to just be quiet. It's a practice that isn't very old for me, but I found a tremendous benefit in it. Sometimes the Lord directs my heart to pray for someone or to text or call someone. Sometimes, though, the only effect is that it reminds me to be watching out for Him throughout the day. Take time specifically to listen. Another thing I want to say about prayer is that when you can, connect your prayers with Scripture. If you're doing devotions, be in the Word and pray at the beginning or at the end, or in the middle of that. If you connect those two together, because I believe they are made to go together, we are to read scripture prayerfully, I think that you will find an easier time making a regular practice of your prayer life. And then one more. Carve out that regular time, but also practice praying in the moment. Have you ever been in that situation where a person is sharing about something going on in their lives and you feel the need to say, I'll pray for you about that? And then there's that awkward question of, am I going to remember to pray for them about that? How many of you have ever been guilty about promising to pray for a person and forgetting? Right? What if you just prayed right then? If you're you're confident and and willing to, pray out loud. If not, pray internally. But when a situation requiring prayer comes up, do not wait for tomorrow's devotional time. Pray then. And develop a practice that when something happens that, that needs prayer, you pray in the moment. And you can connect this with Scripture too, and here's what I mean. If there's a verse that you connect with really well, Pray that over and over and over again. For me, it's Psalm 70, verse 1. And I found the translation that works best for me, and it goes like this O oh God, come to my aid. O oh Lord, make haste to help me. And in the moment when I encounter the temptation, or in the moment when I encounter the frustration, I failed in this this morning, as Ben heard me loudly angry with my computer. If anyone else heard me, I do apologize. It's a problem. But in that moment, you go to the Lord and you find a verse that you know through and through and you pray it again and again. Because there's times that you don't know how to pray. There's times that you're not going to know what the right words are. But what's good about that is we have a Lord that doesn't need you to. You can go before him and repeat one verse of scripture, and repeat it prayerfully, and you'll find, I think, that that can be a powerful tool to strengthen and expand your prayer life. As we move into Lent, which starts this week, it's an incredible time and an opportunity to dive back in to whatever practice of prayer you've had in the past, or to start a new one. And I want to encourage you to not let it go. See, as we talk about giving something up for Lent, you're not just supposed to give something up. You're supposed to also spend the time that it would have taken in prayer. If you're giving up playing video games, the time you would have played in video ga- spend it with video games, you should spend in prayer. If you're giving up something that isn't a time thing but a kind of thing, like certain kinds of food. Then just be intentional about spending some of your meal times in prayer. But Lent is an opportunity for you to give up something and to dive back into a practice of prayer. And that's my challenge for you over the next 40 days as we get ready for Easter. Let your prayer life grow, allow the Spirit to light it aflame. And see what God does in every part of your life. Because I believe that if we will go to him faithfully, even in those times when we don't want to, even in those times where it's hard for us to make ourselves pray, if we will weather those and go before him anyway, I think that we will see an incredible change happen. Not just in us, but in the lives of the people that we connect with. Pray with me. Lord, help us to pray as you do, as you did. Lord, help us to be people of prayer, a people who come before you over and over again, whose lives are made up of rhythms of prayer. Help us to be people who become accustomed standing in your throne room. Lord, and when those things come up, the apathy of just not wanting to, give us the strength by your Spirit to conquer it. Lord, conquer it in us. Lord, when it's hard to find time, help us to keep our eyes on you, and to remember that there is no greater priority in our lives than you. Lord, and if we are frustrated or anxious because we don't know how to pray, give us the boldness to go to your word or to speak to someone that we trust and learn. And Lord, I pray for Calvary that you would make us into a church even more than we are today, filled with people of prayer, filled with lives being changed in the furnace of prayer, people being transformed to be more and more like you, and then being let loose to work your plans of redemption upon the world. We pray these things in your son's holy and precious name. Amen.